Last Sunday we completed, <coughs> excuse me, we, I'm okay. Last Sunday we completed the Christmas season with the celebration of the baptism of the Lord. And then we began ordinary time. I hope you remember ordinary time, not in the sense of blah, but from the Latin word for counting. We come together each Sunday to celebrate the Eucharist and we see how Jesus enters us and unfolds in us in our lives week by week, one week at a time, getting out there hopefully to help build his kingdom. So this second Sunday of ordinary time every year, we hear one or another passage from the Gospel of John, either the first or in our case this year, the second chapter, John's version of the beginning of Jesus's public ministry. And then next week, we will click into the Gospel of Luke and his version of Jesus's public ministry's beginning. Like the second reading, St. Paul tells us that God gives us all different gifts, same God, same spirit, and all the gifts are used to achieve God's will together on this planet. Kind of, that is very much the story for the gospel writers. The older I get, and I am getting old, the more I know about the scripture, it is just so powerful to me how God used these writers to give us God's revealed word, and they're quite different in terms of how God inspires them. John is the last of the four gospels. The depth and the level of grace and of reflection and of revelation in the gospel of John really blows my mind. So I can tell you for sure, John had a couple of things in mind that are straightforward for the passage we just heard. One of them is an image that's repeated over and over again in our Old Testament that God gave through those writers, those prophets particularly, about salvation in the future. So hundreds of years before Jesus, one of the most common images God gives of the salvation that in the future God will bring to this fallen sinful world is the image of marriage or a wedding. God loves humanity, even when we turn away from God's love. God is faithful to us, even when we're not faithful to God. And the image for the future is, in the future, God is going to intervene in this world. God is going to save this world from everything that separates us from God. It's going to be, in the passage we just heard from Isaiah 62, as a young man marries a virgin, your builder will marry you. God will marry you. As a groom rejoices in his bridegroom, your God will rejoice in you. The depth of salvation is like the most perfect love-filled marriage somehow in the future. Second image that I'm sure that John had in from our Jewish heritage is, again, frequently in the Old Testament, for the vision of eternal salvation. We talked about this just before Advent. The eschatological, the ultimate final eternal salvation is going to be like a celebration, often in terms of a banquet, in which there is superabundant wine. Superabundant wine is an image God gives hundreds of years before Jesus about eternal salvation. Okay, you with me here? So when you think about those things, clearly the story that we heard from John 2 this morning is not just about interesting events at a wedding in Cana in Galilee. It is about how Jesus, the Savior of the world, ultimately, through all of his public ministry, unfolds in people's lives. 
It's also about how Jesus wants to unfold in our lives for us to grow in the power of salvation. So there is a wedding at a town called Cana in Galilee. The mother of Jesus is there. Interesting thing from the very beginning. John only talks about Mary two times in his gospel, and he never refers to her as Mary. He never refers to her as Mary of Nazareth. He never ever uses her proper name. He only refers to her as the mother of Jesus. Why would that possibly be? I will give you a bonus reflection at the end of this homily. Why would he possibly not call her Mary? The mother of Jesus, Mary, is there at the wedding, as are Jesus and his disciples. At this point in the gospel, Jesus has called a small number of people, invited them to follow him. They have begun to literally follow him. They're in his company. Let me actually get to the end of this. At the end of this, the gospel writer tells us why this story matters. In this story, Jesus reveals to those first followers his glory, the power of God in him. And as a result of that, they begin to believe in Jesus, not just to be with him, not just to physically follow him, but to actually put him at the center of their lives, listen to him, do what he says. So back to the story. So they're at this wedding. Something very natural and understandable takes place. The wine runs out. Some of you have had weddings in your families. Imagine that. You recently had a wedding. The wine runs out. That's really bad. A natural need that in the circumstances of this wedding cannot be met. There is no other wine to grab to serve to the guests. The need here is for the bridegroom, the bride, the family, the household. A very understandable need. The mother of Jesus, once again, no mention of Mary. The mother of Jesus says to Jesus, they have no wine. She, it's not her need. She states the need of the household. She presents it to Jesus. Is Mary expecting Jesus to do something about this? You can't say for sure from the scripture, but it certainly seems like it. I mean, why would she state this to him? It would seem she wants him to do something. Jesus' reply is wild. The, the literal Greek would be, why of me and of you, woman? He doesn't call his mother, mother. He calls her woman. That expression, why of me and of you, it's a common Semitic expression in which someone puts a distance between himself and another person or a situation. Jesus is somehow stating a distance between himself and Mary in this situation. I'll give you a strong guess here because it's made clear in the other gospels. Jesus makes absolutely clear that everything he does then and eternally is only about the will of God the Father. Jesus is not pushed or moved or directed by anyone, including his mother, the most holy person on the planet, his only full disciple. All Jesus does is the will of God the Father. When he goes, when he's entering into his passion in the Gospel of Matthew, he says he doesn't will this. He doesn't want to enter his passion, but he says to his Father, not my will, but yours. A very important point. Even Mary, let alone you or me, does not tell Jesus what to do. Jesus only does what God the Father 
has him do. And he calls her woman. Why possibly? Bonus reflection coming up. Put it in there. So he says, my hour has not yet come. This is the first time in the Gospel of John Jesus says, my hour. He says it repeatedly thereafter. My hour means his death and his passion, death and resurrection, off in the future when he fully brings salvation to this world. So somehow Jesus is saying, I'm going to bring the fullness of salvation in the future. It's not at this moment. And you got to, but what is going on here? Mary listens to all of this and she's good. She doesn't object in any way, shape, or form. She accepts how Jesus affirms reality. She accepts the mystery of this. And then she says the key thing to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Mary tells Jesus the need and she gives a real direction to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And for whatever reason, they actually do it. Jesus tells the servants to get six jars for Jewish ceremonial washings. Each of these jars, John says, has 20 to 30 gallons of water. That's a lot of water. 120 to 180 gallons of water. Jesus tells them, fill the jars with water. And they actually do it. He's not asking them to carry a boulder up a mountain, but that's a lot of work. You can try to think of the math when you go home and reflect on this this week. 120 to 180 gallons of water, they fill the jars. They cooperate. They do what Jesus tells them to do. That involves effort. Then even more effort, he tells them to go and to give some of this water to the head waiter. What's the effort here? It makes no sense. Why would they present water from ceremonial washing jars to the head waiter? For whatever reason, they actually do it. They can't possibly understand that because it makes no logical sense at the moment. There's a lot of, I don't get this, presumably in it, but they do it. They make the choice to do what Mary says, whatever he tells you to do. They bring over this water. The head waiter has no idea where this comes from, but they know where it comes from. Mary knows where it comes from. The disciples know where it comes from. The head waiter tastes this, and it turns out to be wine. There has been an astonishing miracle. Only God can turn water into wine. Have you ever tried this? I really have. I've tried it at home when the package stores are closed. It just does not work. Only God could transform water into wine. There is no human agent on the planet in 2022. There is not some scientific miracle that can change, I don't think, change water, scientific method, change water into wine. Only the power of God could do that. Head waiter doesn't know where this came from. He calls over the bridegroom. This is totally unexpected on a natural level. Most people in this time and place, probably your wedding too, serve the good wine at the beginning and then people are drinking freely. They're getting drunk or getting intoxicated. Then you serve cheaper wine. But you, he tells the bridegroom, you have served the new wine now. Back to the, what I just mentioned before, John is explicit why all of this matters. The disciples witness the glory of God in Jesus, and the disciples as a result of that begin to believe in him. I hope you're getting why this matters for us. This is the way Jesus works 2,000 years ago and today. 
he enters into the needs, the deepest needs of this world, all of our needs for God, for love, for goodness, for justice. He comes into our lives and he brings his grace and he transforms all, all of our needs that matter to God the Father. Maybe not what I think is a need, maybe not what's my want at a given moment, Whatever it is that God the Father wants to be saved, to be transformed, Jesus enters in and he does it. He always superabundantly transforms what God the Father wants to be transformed. That's what salvation is. A disciple of Jesus in 2022 is someone who allows him in, does whatever he tells us to do, listens to him, learns from him, and does it, and that's how he brings salvation to unfold in this world. I invite you to consider that each day this week, starting right now in this Mass. What is about to occur in a couple minutes is infinitely a greater miracle than what took place at that wedding in Cana. This is for real. It is the greatest miracle of human history, and it's going to take place again right now. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, that bread and that wine is going to be transformed into the real presence of Jesus Christ. Water into wine, lovely if you're looking for a drink. This is the greatest miracle, which he began at the Last Supper, and he continues to give us through the power of the Holy Spirit infinitely greater than the wedding at Cana, you and I are invited into this. What I'm asking you to do for the rest of this Mass is remain and increase your focus. Pay attention to what we're praying. All the words of this Mass are going to be praying for the salvation of the world of all times. For Jesus, listen to the words, enter the words of the Eucharistic prayer. All we're asking is for him to come into our needs and to transform those needs. I know that most of you believe this. When you either receive this Eucharist or if you're preparing for it, when we collectively are part of this communion, when you receive the Eucharist at this Mass, go back to your pew and ask yourself, what is happening? He is entering you. Thank him for that. And then talk to him about number one, the needs you think you ask God to transform in your life and this world. And number two, talk to him about your intention this week to do whatever he tells you to do. Begin that at this Mass and repeat it each day this week. And you and I, if we do that, really will be entering into that wedding at Cana experience and how Jesus, I am positive, wants to transform us today. Is that straightforward? Or shall I begin again? Is that straightforward? All right, you ready? Bonus reflection. Bonus reflection. Why is Mary only called the mother of Jesus by John? So here's the first time of two that he mentions Mary, the mother of Jesus. The second time is at the foot of the cross in John 19. Jesus's hour has fully come. Jesus is about to die. He's about to so love this world that he loves into death. At the foot of the cross are Mary, only referred to as the mother of Jesus, 
and Jesus' beloved disciple, traditionally considered to be John. Jesus says from the cross to Mary, the mother of Jesus, woman, once again, woman, not mother, behold your son, John. And then he says to John, behold your mother. And the scripture writer says from that moment, John takes the mother of Jesus into his home. Mary is the mother of Jesus, not just a woman named Mary, interestingly, historically, not just Mary from Nazareth who was connected with Jesus. She is the only mother of the only savior of the world. She is the mother of the eternal son of God. She is the mother of God. And she's given from the moment that his hour finally comes to us. She's not just given to that man, John. She's given to the whole church. Mary is your mother who is always with Jesus. The image of the wedding at Cana is the eternal image. She is eternally with him. And at the heart of what she does as our mother is she presents to Jesus our needs today. And she tells us to do whatever he tells us to do. We all have one mother who is with us every day of our lives with Jesus. Why is she called woman? This is just my guess. Because the first woman says no to God, as does the first man. Mary is the new Eve. She says yes to God perpetually, continually. Mary is the new woman. She's the new Eve. She is what we're all meant to be. You have a mother. She is a very concrete person. And as you enter into this this week, my gosh, acknowledge that she's there. Ask for her help in interceding for you and ask for her help in doing whatever he tells you to do. It's pretty amazing. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.